0: to online partisan news had absolutely no overtime effects on attitude polarization or affect polarization.
1: media landscape has been evolving at a dizzying pace, with technology and social media changing the way people get their news and information. And legacy media like television and print have been dividing audiences along political lines like never before. Conventional wisdom has held that as people are exposed to more partisan news, they become even more polarized. But a new study finds that's not so. This is The Backdrop, a UC Davis podcast exploring the world of ideas. I'm Sotirius Johnson. Is there any connection between the news people consume and the opinions they form? How are social media changing political dialogue in the U.S.? And in this media environment, what can a free society do to preserve a functioning democracy? Magdalena Wojcicak is a professor of communication at UC Davis. She studies how media use and political talk affect opinions both for individuals and societies and how they influence perceptions, knowledge, prejudice, and tolerance. She co-authored the study on partisan news and polarization, among others, and she joins me today. Welcome to The Backdrop, Magdalena.
0: Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here.
1: Oh, thank you. So to start, can you talk a little bit about what exactly you found in that study on partisan news and polarization? And and we should say that that paper is, is currently under peer review as we speak, right?
0: It is. Uh, we're working on making it even better. It's called an R&R, which is revise and resubmit. And hopefully it will see the light of the day later this year. Um, and what we found is essentially nothing.
1: <laughs>
0: and <laughs> what... Um, this is typically a finding that would be very disappointing to many scholars and <coughs> could sometimes prevent a publication in a high-quality peer-reviewed journal. But our project uh, was pretty robust and did different checks to make sure that these null findings are strong, so to speak, even though, again, they're null. So what we did in that project, it's pretty remarkable and takes um, advantage of Um, The different possibilities for data collection that are available to researchers right now. So we uh, recruited uh, participants to our study online and paid them, of course, to not only complete surveys, but also to submit, to share with us researchers, their online browsing history that's already stalled on everybody's computer. And they did that using an open source plugin developed by one of my collaborators called Web Historian. And that plugin allows them to review their own online browsing. So the different domains that they're visited, what time of the day, and so forth. And again, shared with the researchers. So this is what we did in two distinct studies one in 2018, the other uh, in 2019. And three months later, we returned to the same individuals, paid them again, that's essential, and asked Mm -hmm. them to again complete surveys and submit their browsing history. And in statistical analysis, we paired people's online exposure that happened before the first survey and in between the first and the second survey with their political attitudes that they expressed on the survey and in the online browsing we looked at several things so we knew exactly what news domains people were visiting because again we had their online browsing so we matched those uh, domains in individuals browsing history to a list of extensive list of news domains and we had validated and extensively cross-checked classification of ideology of those news sources, which allowed us to categorize each and every news source into the liberal-leaning category, conservative-leaning category, or centrist mainstream outlets.
1: Right. And so what were your conclusions? Like, what did you actually find? What were your findings?
0: So the core finding that is surprising and disappointing is that exposure to online Partisan news had absolutely no overtime effects on attitude polarization or affect polarization. Attitude polarization being the strength with which individuals held their attitudes on a variety of political issues such as immigration, gun control, and so forth. And affective polarization being the hostility or very negative feelings that partisans feel toward the out-party supporters.
1: Meaning the other side, basically. The other
0: political side, yes. Right, okay. Yes. So that's kind of, you know, what we were testing and what we found. That, again, there are no overtime effects. And these effects, these, again, null effects, held across different political groups. So we looked at uh, liberals and conservatives. Nothing. We look, maybe, you know, maybe it's the people who are very strongly liberal or very strongly conservative who will become polarized. Nothing, right? Hmm. So we actually didn't find any effects whatsoever, period. We also looked at, you know, maybe it's not only news exposure that matters, but actually exposure to only strictly political content within these partisan sites, right? Because, of course, you know, New York Times not only has... uh, political coverage, but also travel or cooking recipes. So we isolated only those political news, nothing. Mm -hmm. So kind of in interpreting this very surprising finding, we turned to the overall volume of news exposure and of partisan news exposure in that particular data set. And we found that news exposure accounts for 2% of individual online browsing. That's very, very limited.
1: Right, it's very low. I mean, especially, but this was, um, so uh, when you were doing it, this was before the presidential election, but it was kind of leading up to it? Or did it include some of the campaign?
0: So the first study from which we have the most robust data, the other one, uh, or the other data set, the more recent one is being analyzed right now, so I can't speak to that. But in that one, it was... uh, Around the midterms in 2018.
1: So that's pretty astonishing that only 2% of media consumption has to do with politics. That's that's a finding right there. So not
0: really <laughs> politics. It's 2% was news, right? So actually oh, I see. Okay. people are seeing some political information on, you know, in non-news websites. Right. And then also another important uh, caveat here is that we didn't analyze people's um, social media feeds. We didn't have access to their Facebook feed or their Twitter handles. And so it's possible that people are consuming more news on those platforms. And of course, we don't have access to their offline exposure and consumption. Uh, So it's, you know, it's possible that somebody never looks at news online, but, uh, you know, is an avid watcher of Fox over dinner. That's not as likely given that news websites or the internet are the primary source of information for majority of Americans. But still, right, there, there are exposures that we couldn't capture in our data.
1: And, as far as the the, the people who participated age wise was it spread kind of evenly or was it did it skew younger Because I would think that more say older people might get their news from legacy media like television or newspapers as opposed to online, whereas younger people might get it more from the online uh, sites
0: so the sample was definitely younger than the general population, but we checked how representative it is of the American population and it's not at all and it's not surprising because people who take part in online studies and especially people who are willing to submit everything that they did online (laughs) researchers are very very different than the general population I don't think you do that for 10 bucks (laughs) but you know the people that we studied did but again because um Because of that, our study, or for that matter, any other study that relies on online browsing or online trace data of individuals cannot claim that it is in any way representative of the population. Essentially, those people are just very different.
1: Right. So so how applicable are the findings if the survey doesn't represent the general population? Like, how much can we extrapolate it to kind of make sense of it?
0: That's a great question. And I would say, again, they cannot generalize. Um, And again, no research that that relies on individual online traces can generalize to the population. But they're nevertheless very suggestive because... It's, again, the individuals who are using online uh, platforms or online media frequently. It is people who are in different online panels of research organizations or who are part of social media. Right, So those are the people who are more likely to rely on the Internet for information and news. And it's especially the population with which many observers are most concerned, because those people... "Quote unquote," should be you know inhabiting online echo chambers, right? Those are the people who, when they seek information, they should go to highly partisan sources. That's the kind of the general fear that's being portrayed in 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 a lot of news media and in a lot of discourse surrounding partisan media and online media and and polarization. So even though this population or the samples that we had don't really represent. The population. They're the ones that, quote unquote, should be expected to be using partisan media and to polarize as a result. And that's not what we're finding.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, your conclusion kind of goes against, I think, what most people just assumed and and even what some other studies seemed to find that, you know, when you consume partisan coverage, that it, it makes you more polarized. So what made your study different from others that looked at this?
0: So, There is a lot of work on polarization from exposure to like-minded content. And of course, there are many theoretical reasons to suspect that, you know, if you're hearing echoes of your own biases, those biases will become even stronger. But a lot of past work relied on, so to speak, captive experimental participants. So, you know, I show you... Let's say you're a conservative and I show you a clip from uh, Rush Limbaugh on Fox and then I measure your attitudes. So, of course, if I show you polarized content, right, of course you will become more polarized immediately after Because your partisan identity is triggered, the information that you heard is very salient at that moment. So when you report your attitudes or feelings after this exposure, they're likely to be slightly more polarized than before. But again, very few people actually attend to partisan media. And very few people, when given unlimited choice in the online media environment, actually select that kind of content. So you know, captive participants in experiments are you know easy and and produce neat findings, but these findings are even less generalizable to the overall information ecosystem in which we now, as media consumers, can tune in to whatever we want. So maybe I watch Rush Limbaugh, but at the same time I also, and as our data show, uh and very likely to look at you know, sports, or romance, or movies, or pictures of cats, or cooking, or travel, right? So, mm-hmm. so this partisan exposure is a very small drop in an overall ocean of content that people have. So our study accounted for this ocean, whereas previous studies and were mostly looking at, at the drops, and we're showing people the drop.
1: It almost seems counterintuitive in a way, because when you think about how people come to an opinion, to come to a belief, it, you know, there has to be some input. So, I mean, do you have any ideas or theories about how opinion generation occurs in general? Is it from your family, from your friends? If it's not from media that you're consuming, how do people come to uh, an opinion?
0: Yes, it there is... Um... large body of research on political socialization, that's not my area of expertise, but that research consistently shows that people's attitudes and political leanings be it ideology or partisan identification are formed pretty early in life and they are very strongly influenced by the family and then also there's a lot of research on the so-called two-step flow in communication, that research dates back to the 40s finding that it's your community. In that case, of course, it was offline community because, again, it was decades ago that influences your decisions related to uh, voting, but also movie going or product purchase much more strongly than news media do. So, of course, our research has this core limitation that doesn't account for those interpersonal influences. And, you know, it's possible that people who are not consuming partisan media are nevertheless exposed indirectly, right? You may not watch Fox, but let's say your spouse or your dad does, and they tell you what they learned, and they tell you how angry they are, and maybe that has influence on on how you feel and what you believe.
1: It's so interesting because I, I feel like, I mean, just um taking from a real life example, I feel like when a when say a teacher in a classroom sets the tone of what's acceptable and not acceptable, people typically fall in line, you know, and if like a media outlet sets a certain tone, you know, certain either beliefs or opinions or behaviors I almost feel like that just logically would seem to, you know, be setting the tone for what's acceptable and not acceptable as well. So I find the findings like really kind of mind shattering, mind blowing.
0: Absolutely. And you know, and in that paper, we do say that doesn't, these findings are by no means indicating that partisan media do not matter, or that they are not presenting a a, a problem to to society. As you're saying about setting the tone of the debate, um, we know that the content of partisan media uh, has become more and more uncivil in the last decades. We know that there is much more coverage of polarization So mentioning the fact that, you know, America is at war and America is divided and so forth. We know that partisan media, but also legacy, mainstream media, centrist, balanced media, report a lot on misinformation. And this reporting also can um, decrease people's trust in, 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 in news media themselves. So, of course, there are many different side effects of, of partisan media in, in, in our society. Um, so, and, you know, and I'm sure that they do have kind of over time in this full communication ecosystem where you account for social media platforms, where you account for interpersonal communication, where you account for talk radio, right? When you account for, um, exposure to, again, Fox or MSNBC over dinner, that maybe this cumulative and sometimes indirect exposure maybe does have polarizing effects. I mean, we are seeing the effects, you know, not necessarily of partisan media, but of communication and information on what's happening in America today, right? So, of course, there are effects. Simply our study that didn't detect any overtime effects of these online exposures on polarization, because again, partisan news exposure and especially partisan exposure were a tiny fraction of what people were seeing. But right. of course, there are some people who are only consuming partisan media and nothing else. Right? There are some people who are living in online eco chambers on mm-hmm. social media platforms, and you know, and then January 6th, Capital Insurgent happens.
1: And I wanted to ask you about that. So how does your work kind of inform how we interpret what happened on January 6th when the Capitol was stormed by a pro-Trump mob?
0: So funnily enough, when my first project after my first year in, um, at Annenberg School of Communication at the University of Pennsylvania, where I did my PhD, was examining uh, radical environmentalists and neo-Nazis. Online, So I was looking at white supremacy online discussion forums <laughs> and looking at how participation in these forums can make people more extreme and more participatory. So by then, of course, there were no online trace media. Facebook or Twitter were not around yet. But I was serving those people and observing them online. And, and yes, participation in groups of like-minded individuals can have very strong mobilizing effects. You believe that everybody agrees with you. You perceive greater support for your minority viewpoints, but you think that they are not minority because everybody else that you're interacting with online shares those views. You come to believe that your attitudes and perspectives are correct, Information that's shared within these kind of small groups of, of, of people may not necessarily be, you know, factual or verified, but right. you don't know, you don't care. And then, when that's combined with this general polarization in our society or in American society, and with a very big institutional distrust among uh, conservative Americans who may be exposed to factual information from, say, fact-checkers, but who nevertheless reject that information because they see it as biased, that can have explosive effects. So again, it may be a very small group of individuals or you know, a small fraction of the overall society that interacts in these groups and that forms... Part of those online echo chambers, but as we've been seeing, you no, know, even if it's small, it can be very consequential.
1: When you talk about these echo chambers, have you studied, or have there been studies of when people of a particular political persuasion are exposed to a different perspective, whether or not there's, you know, further polarization or maybe uh, coming to the middle somehow?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I have studied that and there's a lot of more recent research on these matters and it's not very conclusive because theoretically, if your attitudes are very strong and let's say you're a very staunch Trump supporter or very strongly anti-vaccine or very strongly you know, pro-abortion, if I show you arguments and data that counters your beliefs, you, again, theoretically, should process all this information in a biased way. So you would counter-argue, generate reasons for why you are correct and why this information is wrong, and then you would polarize as a result. And in some of my past studies, I have found these boomerang effects among strongly opinionated individuals. For more moderate people, right, their their identities are not at stake. They don't need to protect their core values and so forth. So they are much more likely to consider opposing views. But it's the the kind of extremes that we care about most, right, because we're seeing that they're the most visible. They're the most participatory and, and the loudest. And those extremes are very difficult to persuade but there's other work that sh- that says that you know if you show people different views they will nothing will happen right so so there are conflicting findings in the literature
1: right but generally i guess the people who are kind of more on the furthest extremes they're the ones who will basically not change their minds generally yeah. whereas people closer to the center will be more kind of open minded to maybe consider the other viewpoint
0: absolutely
1: you you also did a study comparing people who consumed more news, I think, versus people who went on a news vacation. Is, is that right? And, and what, what were you looking for there? And what did you find?
0: So this is a very controversial statement here. Um, so we know that <laughs> news media are the fourth estate, right? We know that they contribute to informed citizenry, that right. they make people more politically engaged and more knowledgeable. And there is for decades this normative agreement that news media exposure is very beneficial, right? So observers are very worried about the fact that, um, you know, news readership is decreasing, that um, news media organizations are having financial problems, right? There is this, again, general normative agreement that news exposure is very good. And in these two projects, I, I thought, you know what, but is it really? We know that, as I mentioned, a lot of news media focuses on polarization. A lot of news media um, focuses on conflict, right? That's the core journalistic value. Negativity sells. Divides and criticism and conflict attract attention. So the media naturally cover conflict and partisan Uh, disagreements to much greater extent than cooperation, for instance, because that's boring. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: also, we know that journalists tend to reach out to social media users to kind of exemplify public opinion. So what the public is thinking, let me check Twitter. But we also know that people who are on Twitter are extremely unrepresentative of the general population. And the core on which they are very unrepresentative is their uh, political extremity. They're much more politically interested and have much stronger views. So if journalists illustrate public opinion with a Twitter user, we know that this opinion will be much more extreme than an opinion of an average Joe on the street, okay? So because of that, I thought, you know what? Exposure to news media should probably have some detrimental effect. And we don't know that because nobody has studied it. Right. So in a series of two kind of almost field experiments, we paid people in the United States to not watch news at all, not consume news. In one study, it was seven days. In another, it was 14 days. And we mm, were returning to those individuals every two days with very short surveys. You know, how are you doing on this? You know, what's your level of news exposure, and, um, and then we uh, surveyed them again at the end of this experiment. And then in another experiment in Poland, in a complementary study, we paid people to follow more news. And that was, I believe, for 14 days. So maybe in the US, it was seven. In Poland, it was 14. And again, we, we paid them. We went back to them every two days and asking about compliance. And then we surveyed them again, and um, and we looked at a very comprehensive list of outcomes. And that was, you know, attitude polarization and this affective polarization, the negativity toward the other side. We looked at perceived polarization. So, do you think that society is divided? We looked at their political knowledge, political participation, and. Um, several other outcomes amongst them also well-being so how happy are you how satisfied are you with your life and also indicators of kind of unhealthy behaviors so um drinking a lot of alcohol eating a lot of junk food feeling that you uh, you want to hit somebody or having gotten into an argument and so forth so we looked at the all these different classes of outcomes in both studies, and we again found nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so we found that that neither increasing news exposure nor decreasing news exposure significantly influence these outcomes. And we're still analyzing those data to see whether you know people who maybe had a lot of news media exposure before are differently affected. And so forth. But thus far, these kind of so-called main effects are uniformly null again.
1: (laughs) That's pretty amazing. I mean, (laughs) you touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, Is is there something about like the business model of both legacy and social media, uh, online media, that encourage them to cater to people's more extreme opinions? You know, controversy, outrageous actions and words. They get ratings and likes and and retweets. So, yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, is there something that either the companies can do or that the government should be looking into to not let that affect our democratic system?
0: I'm not sure what can be done because, as you're saying, this is the business model not only of social media, but also of of legacy, mainstream balanced media, and that business model stems from the very um, fact that individuals, humans in general, are more attuned to negativity than positivity. It's called negativity bias in psychology, and it's evolutionary. We are better able to detect negativity in the environment than instances of, you know, peace and positivity. So our people pay more attention to negative stories, people uh, stay on them for longer, people are more likely to select them, because again, negativity is more attractive. So you know, news media organizations, uh, as you said, they, 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 they need ratings. They need viewers. They need to sell their ad space and time. So that's what they do. And is it detrimental? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not only polarization. It's also political cynicism. There are many studies on the fact that that kind of news reporting um, can make people cynical about politics. And cynicism is not the same as you know, healthy skepticism. Cynicism is essentially, oh, it's all BS. I don't, I, 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 you know, everybody's corrupt. Everybody's hating everybody else. So why should I even care? Right. And, and it's, it's, it's very problematic also in, um, and re- it's reflected in how news media cover elections, right? It's not focusing on substance. It's focusing on the horse race, But again, this is what people seem to want. But again, this is where public service broadcasting in Europe, for instance, is so wonderful because it doesn't cater to the lower common denominator, what people want, but rather how we would like people to be and and, and function.
1: It's almost like, you know, the media companies, whether consciously or unconsciously are taking advantage of our human psyche, you know, just like, well, this is what the people want and yeah. we want eyeballs on our apps and on our TV channels. So yeah. this is what we're going to give them. Yeah. Well, I want to end on a happy note somehow. So, <laughs> so I don't, know, let me ask you this maybe. So the whole promise of social media was to connect people But it seems like in many ways it is connecting people, obviously, but they're kind of being connected in little kind of like microcosms instead of uh, in like a greater community.
0: No, actually, so on on the optimistic note, we have to keep in mind, again, that despite this general preoccupation with echo chambers and filter bubbles, This problem pertains to a very small subset of the population, right? So people who are, you know, general social media users are not in those little political bubbles. They are not in political bubbles at all. Again, they look at cat pictures and food (laughs) photos and so forth. They don't care, right? So this, this problem that we are focusing on, again, is not detected among the general population. It's still very consequential, again, as we saw in January, but it's not the majority of users are living in echo chambers. They aren't. And of course, for the rest of the users who are less extreme, less politically interested, social media have a wonderful role of connecting them with friends and family, keeping them you know, updated during our global pandemic. Facilitating contact and and staying in touch. So of course there are numerous wonderful effects, right? And again, for the small subset of individuals, that these effects are not you know not democratically desirable. But for right. instance, right, there are also many normative um, issues here that we are happy. When Black Lives Matter uses um, social media for organ- organizing and protest, right? We're not happy when far right supporters use social media for organizing and protest, right? So, so also the, these online babbles facilitate civil rights, facilitate equality as well. And of course, there is the flip side.
1: With everything, there's a flip side. So, but it, <laughs> but it's a great way to it's a great way to end our conversation on a positive note. This has been really great. Thank you so much for coming on today.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Magdalena Wojcicak is a professor of communications at UC Davis. She studies how media use and political talk affect opinions and influence perceptions and knowledge. Find out more about her research on our website, ucdavis.edu slash the-backdrop-podcast. You can listen and subscribe to The Backdrop on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Soterios Johnson, and this is The Backdrop, a UC Davis podcast exploring the world of ideas.